it's time for the big show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. Well, it's the big show, and our guest is Bobby Whitten. Bobby, glad to have you along with us, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Bobby is a lead guitar player, played with a lot of folks back in the day. Uh, Tammy Wynette, Mel Tillis, just to name a few. We'll, we'll drop some more names as time goes on here for okay. sure. Yeah, yeah, he can do that. You and Country Jim, y'all played a, a gig together not uh, not too many uh, minutes ago there, I guess it was, right? Is that- <laughs> yeah, we finished and hot-footed it out here. Uh, we uh, The big show is, of course, heard in Canada and China and Norway and I don't know where all. Mexico now. Mexico. I don't know how they're doing it over there, but we're, we're in Mexico, so. Well, we need to get somebody in here that can sing in Spanish. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, <laughs> but Bobby, uh, of course, we're, we're coming to you from the Houston, Texas area. And uh, Bobby grew up in, the, in this, uh, this area out uh, around Sheldon. And, uh, so Bobby, uh, you tell us about your uh, home life as far as your folks. Did you, mama sang at church and your daddy played guitar? Or? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Uh, uh, they were, they were a good Christian people, but, um, uh, uh, my daddy always had a, a guitar laying around the house and he knew about three chords on it and, uh, he'd sit around and sing old cowboy songs and, and I just couldn't keep my hands off of that thing. Oh, that, the good, his guitar, you know, is. And, uh, was it a good instrument? Do you remember what it no, was? No, he just had the old cheap K's and stuff like yeah. that, you know. And, yeah. And uh, so every time uh, he turned around, I'd done been had it drug out of the closet and broke it, you know, trying to get, <laughs> play it. And, and so when I was nine years old, he took me to Baytown and to a music store and bought me a little bitty half-size Stella guitar. Oh, yeah. And I still have that guitar. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. Uh, and so he said by the time we got back to Sheldon from Baytown, I, was, I already knew more chords on it than he did. <laughs> <laughs> so it was... Uh, well, who influenced uh, you, Doug? Were you... You know, nowadays these kids, I mean, I've got grandkids that play, and, and they just they get stuff off the Internet. You know all that sort of thing, but back in our day, um, did you you heard you listened to records or the radio? Listened to the radio. We, we had a radio that stayed on just about twenty four hours a day on the country station. Yeah, and back then it was KRCT. And uh, where was that at? That yeah. was out of Houston. Houston, okay. Yes, sir. And uh, anyway, I I listen to the music and listen and trying to absorb it and uh and i guess it worked pretty good because uh yeah that, that's how i got started and then uh my daddy uh he loved going to the nightclubs and listening to the good players and musicians and all of that he was a music enthusiast i guess yeah. you could call it and uh and he him and mama would take me with them to the clubs and uh and so we uh we had uh there was a club down the street from us called jack's place and so when i got my little guitar we went out there one night and my daddy was he was a big bragger (laughs) 
And he'd go all tell all the bands that his little boy could play guitar and all that. <laughs> and, uh, they told me to go get my guitar and set in with them, you know. And at that time, I just I could play rhythm. Uh, I wasn't a lead player at all, but I I could keep up with the rhythm and the chords. Yeah. And uh, so they set me on the rail there on the bandstand, and, and uh, I'd sit there and play my little guitar with them. And and then the two guys out of the band, one of them was Jerome Stubbs, which is, uh, I understand, has no longer with us, but another guy named Tommy Wright. And uh, Tommy played before the tellies and had called it an Esquire. Yeah. And... Uh, and Jerome had an Esquire also, but he played lap steel. On the and yeah. uh, so they got all interested in me and wanted to give me lessons. And uh, so I took nine lessons, and they were trying to teach me how to play reading music. And uh, I couldn't get the drift of that. But <laughs> anyway, they they assigned Wildwood Flower to me, and so. And uh, I, I went ahead and uh, and they, Jerome sat down and played it for me, and uh, so then I was supposed to they give me the music to it, and I was supposed to study it for a week and then, and then go play it for them. So we were uh, through the weekend. I I just couldn't look at all them dots and make anything out of it <laughs> so anyway that that weekend i could actually get the grand Ole opry on a little t90 radio that you plug in on you know take a little alligator grip and put it on the screen oh, on yeah. your window yeah and i could pick up the grand Ole opry and that saturday night i heard mom maybell play wildwood flower wow and i loved it the way she did it yeah. <laughs> it was just opened up the world to me. And so uh, the next Monday came, and it was time for my lesson, and they set me down, put my music in front of me and everything, and and uh, and Jerome had just played it real plain, like da-da-da-da-da-da. And uh, so I'm I'm sitting there with my music, just, just looking at it, and I said, go ahead. So... I went, dun, 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 chica, dun, 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 And they said, you reading that? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm reading that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they they decided that uh, that I could go on without learning to read music and all of that. And uh, and so I just played by ear till I was, God, I guess I was 30 years old before I learned to read music. Wow. You know, what I find really fascinating about that is the fact that, uh, that to me, that was very rare that they were musicians that could read music because I know. nearly everybody played improvisationally. They just played by ear, as we say. Yeah. Uh, but they actually could... Uh, they could actually, both of them could actually read music. What was, was the band a pretty good band? It was just a little country band, uh, and uh, they had a really good singer that uh, that was a young young fellow. I think he was probably nineteen or twenty years old then, and uh, 
and they had a you know they had a good band. Drum was a great guitar player, and Tommy was a good guitar player too. But Drum was the strong one. Who who did you like listening to the Grand Ole Opry? Um, who were some uh, guitar players that influenced you that you really liked their style and? Oh, there was uh, uh, people like Leon Rose with Ernest Tubb and uh, yeah, and uh, and old Bob Blumen back then. I used to love his the way he had everything going with the rhythm and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and he always had a good band with him. But uh, anyway, the Hank Garland was my biggest inspiration. Yeah. And uh, when I was a teenager, and I I still have his albums at home. Yeah. And uh, I, when I was probably 15 years old, I, I knew almost every song on that album. Uh, now, by that time, did you have an electric guitar? Yeah, I started playing electric when I was 11. Yeah. And I uh, started playing, uh, about, back then, I knew all of the uh, George Jones songs. That's a good one, White Lightning and all of that. Yeah. And uh, now, did you meet him before? I mean, you met when you were playing with Tammy Wynette, of course, his sometimes wife or wife for a while, or however you would say that. Uh, 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 I was going to fixing to tell you this when uh, uh, George had a had a club down the street from Jack's later on, and uh, and so. Uh, he he was my hero for as a singer back you know then and uh, so mom and daddy used to take me out there and and uh, and my daddy always bragged to him that I was that I was a, a real good guitar player and all of that but but anyway uh, we uh, was out there one night and uh, and George and his guitar player got in a big argument and so the guitar player packed up and left so George came over to the our table and he said boy you got your guitar with you I said yes sir and he said go get it you're gonna be my guitar player for the rest of the night hmm. and uh and I you know I knew all of his songs and uh and he was tickled that I was at 11 yeah. years old I could do that you know what was the what, what was the first time that you that you toured with somebody? Sorry, well, the first time you toured with with somebody? Uh, my very first time was uh, with a guy named Orville Couch, and uh, now, was he from Houston or he was from the Dallas, Dallas area? Dallas area, Urban. okay, okay, yeah. And uh, so I was having a time trying to play six nights a week and go to school too, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and when I was 17, then I got uh, offered the job with him okay, to yeah. go do the the Nevada circuit. Right. So uh, I went and talked to my school counselor, and and he said, uh, I told him what I had coming up, and he said, well, he said, I sure wish you'd stay, but uh, he said, uh, you know, I my goodness, I, you know, you need your education. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, you know, are you going to make any money? And 
And I said, I'm going to be making more money than you are. <laughs> and he said, well, son, go get it. <laughs> That's good. Now, so, you were drafted, what, right after that, I guess? Or yeah, were you 18? Well, or? I was drafted at 19. 19? Okay. Yes, yeah. So while you were in the Army, did you play in a, a band there? or No, I went uh, TDY for six weeks, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Byron Burline, fiddle player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were... That you know we were close and was, had been playing together, mm-hmm. and you know just jamming together. Yeah. And uh, and he was actually in the special services as a javelin thrower. <laughs> and so anyway, he knew all of the people, and there was a colonel mm-hmm. that uh, put together a fourth army tour, mm-hmm. and uh, it was back. You know, there's no hadn't been a fourth army in years. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I uh, wanted to go on it, and and Byron did too, and we worked us up a little routine where he was playing the playing the the cards on the guitar, and uh, and I'm and <laughs> let's see, <laughs> golly, it's been a while. He was playing the cards on the guitar, and I was uh, playing playing the Rhythm part, the right hand part. On the same guitar. On the same guitar. And he had his fiddle (laughs) under my chin. And uh, he was fingering the fiddle while I was bowing the fiddle. (laughs) And he's a real tall guy. And me being so short, it was funny looking. And and that that colonel got knocked out with it and wanted wanted us on the show. And uh, You know, I always find out things about people that I... In these that podcasts I know that is. I had no idea yeah. about, and I've known about—I don't think I ever met Byron Berline, but I was in mm-hmm. bluegrass so many years. Mm-hmm. He's a famous, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he's famous yeah. bluegrass fiddler, yeah. and I had no idea that you had a connect that connection with him. Now, how long were you in the service? I was drafted for two years, and that and I did my two years. You did and got your two out. years and got out. <laughs> now, what'd you do after that? Uh, what did you start playing? Well. Man, my wife Wanda had just gotten married, and uh, so you met her in, in Louisiana. Yes. So you're a Louisiana woman, and uh, so Mississippi she, man. She's, <laughs> she's she's my little Cajun. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, uh, when we when I got out of the army, we moved back to Texas to Pasadena, and uh, and I went to work at the Old Breezeway Club out on the Gulf Freeway, which I had worked several times mm-hmm. in my teens. Did that for three months, and then the Jimmy Heap show out of Taylor, Texas, hired me. And they had a bus, and they toured Texas all the time, you know, just. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we worked uh, about four or five days of, a night, so a week. Yeah. That paid and pretty good go money th- back in those days? It wasn't bad. Yeah. Uh, but now did but, Jimmy Heap, did, was that... Uh, was that concert gigs or dance halls or both? Or? It was all dance halls. Yeah, I thought maybe. But mm-hmm. it was a sort of a show band. Yeah. You know, Ken Idaho was uh, was the comedian and uh, fiddle yeah. player and sax player. Yeah. And uh, and you know it was it was a it's a dance band, but it was uh, more of a showy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I did that two years. And then Jack Green hired me to move to Nashville. How many years did you spend there? Uh, 
Well, that was in 1970 when I went to work with Jack Green, and it was actually Jack Green and Jeannie Seeley. They were already a duo by then. Right, yeah. Uh, You know, trying to get the dates in my head. um, So how long had he left Ernest Tubb? He was Ernest Tubb's drummer. Mm -hmm. Uh, How long had he been out on it? Were you in, like, his early band? uh, He had had been on his own there for uh, maybe two years, uh, something like that, because he always... I used to set up jam sessions for all of the musicians prior to going on the road. And Jack would always come out to the jam sessions and play drums on our, you know, and we'd sit around and play jazz music. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. anyway, he always, he always told me uh, that when he, when he got out from behind the drums and got out on his own, that he wanted me to be his guitar player. So I said, I sure would love to. Yeah. So when he did that, I was in the Army. And so he hired another guy out of Houston. I was working, still working with Jimmy Heap, and he played in uh, Austin at uh, the old Broken Spoke Club. And Wanda and I went out to see him, and uh, and he said, are you, you ready to move to Nashville? And I said, any time. And he said, well, man, my guitar player ain't getting along too good. And uh, and he said, uh, you know, I'm ready ready for you. And anyway, he gave me a $100, a $100 bill. He said, is that enough to get you to Nashville? And I said, that was way more than enough to get. <laughs> back then. You know, back <laughs> in 1970. Yeah. And wow. so that's when we that's when we moved. I'm terrible with names, but there was um, there was a man from this area also who worked for a while uh, drumming for Jack Green. Yep, uh, he stuff. was a constable. Uh, he just passed away a year or so ago. Lacey, wasn't it? Don, 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 Lacey. Don Lacey. Don Lacey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you were there at the same time Lacey was? Yeah. Uh, for five years, we had the same band. And... Uh, it was Don Lacey on drums and Noel Stanley on bass, which is another Houstonian. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then uh, me on guitar and Ron Elliott on steel guitar and Jimmy Dry. I think you probably remember Jimmy Dry. Yeah. Uh, he was the fiddle player, singer, front man. Yeah. And you know, uh, the rumor was, uh, and I think, I think Don Lacey, um, he may have started that rumor, may, and it may be true. Yeah. Well, knowing Don, it probably was true. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> his, um, I always heard. I don't know if they ever heard him say it, but I always heard that uh, that distinctive drum arrangement on "Statue of a Fool" that that was Lacey's arrangement. You think that's? Uh, no, because uh, we just copied the record. Oh, okay. So. So it had already, uh, it was a Nashville studio man that yeah. came up with that probably. So then then uh, when you tell about leaving that and going to the next one, after you left Green, is that when you went with Tammy? Yes. Uh, well, I actually. Cal Smith people, come in there? Yeah, yeah, I think it's like uh, Cal Smith, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't hardly talk about that that much because it was such a short time, but. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, 
when I left Jack and Jeannie, I went to work with Kyle Smith. and Who also worked for Ernest Tubb. And uh, so. Is that yeah, right? That's right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He was and, a rhythm uh, player. Yeah. And, and, and uh, we've had Amber Digby on here. Yeah. And uh, her dad went, went with Cal Smith, uh, Dennis Digby. Yeah. And uh, he and I worked at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Johnny Cox was the steel player. Oh, yes. yes. We, we want to get him a, on here one It was day. a, and uh, Don Mills was the drummer. Yeah. And uh, he used to be with Ernest Tubb, too. Yes. And uh, anyway, I, I was there for three months. And Tammy Bonnet called me and wanted me to take that job, and I couldn't turn it down. Oh, yeah. oh no. So how long were you with uh, with Tammy? How did you long play for uh, her? Somewhere between two and three years. Yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure. Sure, yeah. And then you went with Dottie West after that? Is that what, how uh, that progressed? Uh, Dottie, Dottie started calling me from Hawaii because she was getting trying to put a band together for the Kenny Rogers tours. Mm-hmm when she was singing duets with Kenny. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I told her, I said, I'm, you know, Dottie, I'm happy with Tammy, you know, and all of that. And she kept up in the ante till, <laughs> till I had, you know, I had right. to take it. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, did you, uh, at what point in there, didn't you get off the road for a while and maybe do some Nashville recording and, and you stuff? You know, when I... Uh, when I left Dottie, uh, uh, she, she had the Kenny Rogers tours had ended f- for her, and uh, our son, mine and Wanda's son, was uh, uh, about twelve years old and fixing to be a teenager, and and so I decided it'd probably be best if I was at home with her and the baby or the boy. So I freelanced in Nashville for about. Four or five years, somewhere along in there, and I did. I was just working myself to death. I was playing uh, at Opryland, USA. Went back then, what it was, mm-hmm. and uh, doing that during the day, and then working a club six nights a week and doing sessions to go along with all of that. And uh, and I was, you know, just meeting myself, going back and forth, and uh, yeah. Still wasn't really making a whole lot of money, you know, just getting by. And then uh, in 1990, that uh, Al Tillis offered me to, a job to go to Branson, Missouri with him, and his, he made a, one big offer. <laughs> so, uh, I called, I called my, my wife, Wanda, and uh, she was at work when I, after I had talked went to Mel's office and talked with him. And I said, uh, honey, I got some good and bad news. She said, what is that? <laughs> I said, she wanted to know the bad news. And I said, we're going to move to Branson, Missouri. <laughs> and she said, she said, nobody moves to uh, Missouri. Everybody moves from Missouri. <laughs> And then when I told her how much money I was going to be making, she said, "Oh, okay, I believe I can move. <laughs> we're moving to we're moving to Branson." That's, yeah, I that's tell you, I know point. a little that's bit about that, and the money you yep. were making with Mel. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys today, and you know, the amount of money you got, uh, it would take uh, about double now to be that same amount of money. Oh, yeah, 
And uh, there's guys today that'd be glad to get what you were getting back then. You, uh, and anybody that's ever heard you play, like you've played a, you played a, a number of gigs with me, and you're such a a nice person. You, you, the the amount of money that I've paid you is a fraction of what you were getting. <laughs> <laughs> what is it that What is it that Leslie always says? Oh yeah, uh, Leslie. He was just with. Leslie uh, today and on yeah, that yeah. gig, Leslie got up and right. did did some. But uh, she's the one that gave me the name of my band, the All Stars, and she said, "Dad, you need to call your band the All Stars because they are All Stars." And he said, "She said, I don't see how you can get them to play for you as little as you pay." <laughs> <laughs> There's something else about you. You know what yeah. I mean? There's something else about you. I gotta reckon. Be, gotta uh, be uh, the, <laughs> the fact that uh, the, the funness has a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. too. So yeah. yeah. Well, look here. I mean, so after Mel Tillis, where did we go from there? And year 2000, been doing that thing with him for 10 years. And it just, I was just kind of tired of the big time. So Wanda's... Uh, sister had moved back to Louisiana down there where they were raised and uh, and started a horse ranch. And so uh, we started going down there and I just I, I just loved it down there, you know, out, off out in them woods. She helped me pick out a spot in this ranch that she just, just bought. And uh, so we we went, we got on a, a four wheeler, me and my sister in law, and and found this little spot, and uh, she said that is that shawls, and uh, we put in a home there, and uh, been there ever since, and uh, we're right in the middle of forty acres of thicket woods. Wow, that's and great. With a long now, driveway. Is it North Louisiana or South Louisiana? It's Central. Central, Central Louisiana. Okay. Real close to Texas. Oh, okay. On the western okay. side there. Now, I, I see here, and, of course, I knew this guy here, Larry Butler. Oh, yeah. He used to come by when I worked at the radio station. He used to come by and visit with us, and he was a character for yes. sure. It sure was. And, uh, man, we used to play a song of his, Ma, what was it called, Mom's Waltz? Or, or what was it? I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, it was a... It was a pretty good song, actually, yeah. and uh, we used to play it for him there at the radio station, and... Uh, but he was something else, and I remember yeah, he was Larry Butler was the one that gave me my very first uh, professional job mm-hmm. playing at the Esquire Ballroom for six yeah. nights a week. Right when I was twelve, and I think he it, helped a lot of people though, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, and then uh, after I went on the road the first time and all of that, we always stayed in touch, and uh, I produced a couple of his albums. We just he was like a daddy to me. Mm-hmm. In fact, he had, uh, when I was a kid, uh, mom and daddy give him the, where I, he can, was in charge of me. Oh, yeah. Think oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And, Custody uh, or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so I always called him daddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, did he, um, you know, he, he did some recording uh, he did some duets and stuff with Willie Nelson. Yeah. Uh, were you involved in any of that? Not really, but when I, we was when I was 
12 working the Esquire, Willie was the Friday night guest star. And uh, when, and then when uh, I had to go back to school, then then Willie was playing the lead guitar parts, and and I was the Friday night guest star. <laughs> so. That's that's really interesting. So you actually went went back there with Willie also as well as uh, yeah. Yeah, and that was before the long hair and the beard. Oh, way, way before. That's when he yeah. had that Nashville look. You know, he yeah. still was in Nashville doing some stuff, I guess, yeah. occasionally or whatever. Was it around '66 or a little earlier than that? Oh Lord, '66 uh, was when I was drafted. So it must so have been that was way earlier. That. Way, yeah. Okay, maybe early '60s. And, uh, so it was before Willie went to Nashville. It could yeah, have been. way before. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to calculate in my brain, but I uh, <clears throat> can't remember exactly what year that was when I was 12, but uh, I was born in 46, so. 58. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 58. Okay. Was he already writing, was Willie already writing songs then? Yeah, he had that big old thick book full of songs. Mm-hmm. Even well, he had already then. written the Patsy Cline uh, by that time. For, yeah. for Patsy, crazy, yeah. Because that was, he was he was already getting songs cut, mm-hmm. but he hadn't moved to Nashville yet. Right? Didn't you go back on the road for a while with Mel the second time? Yes, I did. He uh, he told me he, I was I was uh, piddling around and then driving buses and and everything, and I had was out on a on a tour with, and I had picked up. Porter Wagner and Leon Rhodes and a bunch of them that old buddies of mine. I picked them up in Nashville and took them out for a weekend. And I was on my way back in to drop them off in Nashville. And a phone rang and I answered it and it was Mel. And he said, uh, "You got to come back." And I said, <laughs> "I said, my God, Mel." I said, "I, I said." I, you know, I'm I'm driving buses, doing real good. It pays good, you know. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> he finally pulled a Donnie West on me, and he just kept up in the ante till I had to do it. <laughs> and uh, we were working. He didn't wasn't working a whole lot, you know. And I can deal with that. But I was having to drive from Louisiana back up to Branson because that's where the buses were. Yeah. And he was carrying two buses because he had 14 pieces. Uh, and, uh, you, uh, I was go- just going to ask about that because um, we've, had, uh, we've had Dennis Digby on, who was Loretta's bass player for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, he talked about uh, what a big band that she had. Uh, she had maybe like 14. Of course, she had several backup singers. Yeah. But but Mel had, uh, that's about the size of his band also, right? See, I'm used to four and five piece bands. And and yeah. you talk about over a dozen people to pay. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah, a, it, that you couldn't do that. They, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't uh, do that for you. Uh, we had uh, four fiddles. Wow. And double of everything except for drums. Wow. Uh, and uh, four singers, background vocals. And uh, and it, and uh, I, I used to kid, kid everybody back, you know, in the band. 
I'd say, man, we got we got so many lead instruments up here. You have to have a fist fight for anybody to even get a feel. <laughs> yeah, it's less a ride. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I didn't get too many because I'm a little guy. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm, is great. I'm teasing about that. Yeah. So yeah. when you're off stage, when you're off stage, um, you obviously through all those years you had a, a number of just conversations with Mel. With uh, yeah. give us a little thumbnail sketch about what Mel Tillis was like. Did he really uh, stutter? Yes, he really stuttered. <laughs> And uh, I'll tell you a funny little story about that. Uh, we used to be riding down the road in the bus. We'd make a pack, you know. We'd just start getting off the side, talking to one another and figuring out who's going to do it this time. And we, we'd, uh, you know, and I had, I had two or three times myself. And, and what the deal was, we would go over, because when, when Mel was just sitting around talking, he could talk really good. I mean, you know, he wouldn't stutter hardly at all. But you're getting excited or mad, and he couldn't say a word. <laughs> so what we would do is one of us would go and sit down, start talking to him, and say something we knew was going to just make him mad, <laughs> real mad, you know, and then watch him try to try to cuss us. <laughs> and... Uh, Funny. And he he would he wouldn't be able to get a word out. We all used to have a good time with that. That is so funny. Well, Bobby, I tell you what, it has been a pleasure having you with us. We're just about out of time. Before we go, though, I have one question that I like to ask everybody. When you first got your driver's license, what was the first car that you got that you were driving when you when I first got my, the first car you owned? Uh, it was a '57 Chevrolet. Wow! Mm, wow! And what year was that? Oh God, I don't. Know. Yeah, Lord, I was I was fifteen when I got the car. Okay, and uh, so it wasn't too. Yeah, car was pretty new then. That car was pretty new. I bet. But, uh, actually, What's forty six and fifteen? I have no idea. Sixty <laughs> one. Uh, actually, like that. I, I say that my very my very first car was a fifty one Cadillac. My brother and Benny and I had a little band together. And we moved to Austin and started playing Gills Club out on South Congress. Mm. And uh, so I was going to junior high then, and uh, I went to junior high there for for a year. And and so I wanted I, I needed to drive, you know. And uh, so Gill had a old fifty one Cadillac for sale. So me and my brother bought it, hmm. and uh, and I'd get to drive it to school every now and then because mm-hmm. I was on a motorcycle. Right. And yeah. my, my mama and brother said, no, <laughs> no way. So they let me get the car. Man, that is something else. Well, buddy, there's so many other things that's going through my mind I want to ask you about, so we got to have you back. Uh, I think you're going to try to come to my... 80th birthday party so yes. maybe we can do a 
do another one. Oh, yeah, right. that'd, that'd be great. That'd be great. We should appreciate right. you being with us. Yeah, want sure. to remind everybody that listen to the big show, I should say, on all major podcasting platforms, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and so many more. And remember, you can support the podcast by subscribing and hitting the link below. And of course, share it with everybody that you know. And we appreciate you listening to it. Thanks for listening to The Big Show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. This has been a Unicap Media presentation.